in the midst of life's trouble and the midst of a mess, it's good to be able to be still and know that He is God. Sometimes there's so much stuff going on that we don't know which way is up. For the last several months, that's the way it's been in our culture, in our society. You know, I was jokingly thinking early this morning how there's less than 90 days to Christmas. But in the midst of all this coronavirus and the way time flies, instead of it being 80-something days, it'll probably feel like three. Because it seems like just yesterday, 2020 had started, and now we find ourselves, here we are, about to go into October, and we're all, ask, all asking ourselves, where did summer go? What happened to September? Are you kidding me? It's about fall, and pumpkins are coming out. We're going to have to start decorating for Christmas, because things are going quickly. And in the midst of that, all this time, things have happened good and bad in all of our lives. We've experienced joys, we've experienced new things, we have been forced to do things we never thought we would do, think things we never thought we'd think, and learn words we never thought we would ever know. But in the midst of all that, God has still been God. And in the midst of all that time, I want to ask you a question today. In the midst of all that... Who have you been worshiping? Now before you answer, I want you to hang with me this morning because we often find ourselves in our culture duped into worshiping something rather than the one true God as defined in Scripture because there are some things that can get in the way unbeknownst to us if we're not in tune and we'll worship something that's not the one true God. And we'll, many of us have had to learn how to worship in places besides a church. I mean, whenever you think of going to worship, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Going to church, right? I mean, how many of you say, yeah, if I'm going to worship, I'm going to go to church. But what if I told you today, this is not really the place of worship we're going to see in Scripture. We're going to look at worship, pure worship, the heart of worship, what God deems is worship, and how you and I can engage in that because it is there we experience a holy, living, powerful, and personal guide. As we've been going through Exodus, we have found that worship is very important, especially here in chapter 20 of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, it begins with the idea of worship. The first few Ten Commandments has to do with worship. It shows how important this is. And we will find ourselves today in these verses returning after they have received the Ten Commandments. They are going to once again be faced with this idea of worship. So if you will read with me in your Bible, whether it is a, a paper version like I have on your phone, whatever, I want you looking in the Word because this will change your life, not my words, not what I say to you, but what God has said will change your life. So let's look in here and let's read in your translation. Follow along with me. Verse 22 of chapter 20 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me. Gods of silver or, or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me. You shall sacrifice on, your, uh, sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. One of the key elements in worship in the Old Testament that points us to the idea of worship is this idea of an altar. For many years in my lifetime, as I have grown up, there's always been an altar in every church. It's been up front. Some of them were a bench. Some of them were a place to kneel. I've seen people just pull out chairs and make an altar in front of the church. That came to symbolize a place where you can come and encounter God. And that's what the altar was to symbolize in the Old Testament, was a place to encounter God and worship Him. So as we look at this, we have to understand as, as He is addressing worship, I want you to notice some key elements that He brings back to to clarity in these verses. For instance, he says, Yahweh first, Yahweh alone. There is no other God. Doesn't that sound like one of the commandments? After they've gotten the ten, they've seen it, they've been afraid, and Moses gives them command, do not fear, but fear so you don't sin. God says, let me remind you, me first. And then he says, and me alone. Not only am I in the position of first, but it is me alone. Now, we have to be careful not to defame the name of God upon the altar, or other words, in our worship. You know, many of us come today, and this is our act of worship for the week. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff we've heard about, about houses of worship. Well, let me tell you something. The house of worship for the one true living God was staring back at you this morning in the mirror. This is not simply the house of worship, it is you. And when we approach worship that it's only contained into this room, you will miss the one true living God and true worship. The altar was what God was defining here as He wanted His people to come together and to worship. This is the second use of an altar since they have left Egypt. If you remember before, as Moses was up on the mountain and when he held his hands up, there was victory. When his hands began to fall, they, they would begin to lose. And it was there he built an altar and he called it, The Lord's my banner. He is the one I fight for. He's number one. He's the one that I focus on. This is the second time an altar has come into play in the story. The altar was necessary for sacrifices. It was where you turn when it was time to worship. And now that they had received the covenant from God, God was declaring it's time to worship. So I want us to look at this altar this morning. There's some very interesting things in here because I'm here to tell you, I take notes when I read sometimes and I write down things, whether it's in this Bible as you can see, there's highlights and things written in it. I don't listen. It is not a sin to write in your Bible. 
In fact, it is a blessing and it makes it more holy and pure if you will digest it and write in it and highlight it because you're digesting it. That's what makes God's Word important. But I had an electronic version when I was reading through this. And I, I highlighted a, a portion of this scripture and my note simply says this. I wonder why. Because when you read this, you can be a little confused and go, how in the world does it have anything to do with us? What in the world does this mean? Well, the Lord laid this message on my heart a couple of weeks ago, and He would not let it get off. I thought we would be done with chapter 20, but there's something here for somebody today. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's going to be after today's service or someone at home or someone in this room. But I'm here to tell you there's a message here for somebody today. The altar. Let's look at the altar this morning. The very first thing about the altar that we can notice in verses 24 and 25, let's look at that. You shall make an altar of earth. What kind of altar? It's an altar made of what? Earth. Not of gold. Not of silver. But an altar of earth for yourself. No. The Word of God says make an altar of earth for me. Who's the focus of the worship? It is God. I want you also to notice in verse 25 it says, If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. That's where I put the why in the world would God say that. This is kind of strange. This is weird. So we're going to get into that and figure this out today. The one thing about it being... It's, it can't be cut stones and it should be an altar of earth, is this, that it was something that could be constructed quickly. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a manner of God saying, look, I know it may take you two or three weeks or a couple of months to get this altar built and make it really nice and pretty. And so it's going to take a, time, a while for you to get to where you can actually worship. God wanted get, to give them an opportunity immediately, so He gave them instructions to construct it quickly. So this altar could be constructed quickly by things of the earth and of stone. Not only that, but the second thing has to do with what I just said. It could be used immediately. Build it fast and use it quickly. Make sure that you use it immediately. Because God was calling them to worship after He's given them this covenant. He Listen, ladies and gentlemen, He gave them a covenant and then said it's time to worship. We have a new covenant that we live under. It was given to us by Jesus Christ. We received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which was a celebration of this very thing. The Holy Spirit came and now God has declared for us to worship. So, not only was it constructed quickly, it could be used immediately but an altar something else about an altar is this an altar is very noticeable because if you're going to build something and it's called an altar it's not flat it doesn't blend into the background it is a raised area where you get attention how many of you have ever been going up to helen if you've ever been to Helen, you know that at, right before you get into Helen, over to the right, as you're coming from Cleveland, there is this great big huge mound of dirt. That great big huge mound of dirt just didn't naturally get there. 
That is an Indian burial ground. It is there to bring attention that right here lies people that were important to them. An altar was to be built and raised up so that it would be noticeable and it would say, this is a place of worship. That God is first and God is number one and God alone. Now here's where we get into something really interesting. I want us to look at the altar of stone for a moment. If you make, in verse 25, an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. Now wait a minute, Lord. If I'm going to do something for you, I want it to be nice. I mean, I want it to look good. I want every corner to be perfect. I want it to be shiny. I want it to look the best it possibly can. I want to pour into this thing and make this altar look great. And God said, no. He said, it shall not be built of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. Hold on a second, Lord. Are you telling me that you're saying that if they had built an altar and put everything behind it to make it look great and to make it look beautiful, that you would have said that that was profaned and it would not have been worthy. It wouldn't have been pure for worship. Because the fourth thing about the altars, they're absolutely just pure, undefiled. It's what God wanted these altars to be, pure and undefiled. So why would God do that? Because when we put our hands to anything that has to do with God, we defile it. Because what would they have done if they had made that thing perfectly straight? I don't know about you, but things that aren't straight, they bother me. I mean, things have got to be in order and straight. And, and if it's crooked, I'll go straighten it up. I, hey, I, I got a confession to make. If I'm in the store and the cans are not turned all the same way, I'll turn them the same way. I'm like a store's blessing as a customer. I will, I will straighten things up for them because I like things to be straight. And if I was going to build an altar for the, for the Lord, I'd want it to be perfectly straight without any imperfections. Today behind me there is a cross and on that wall, many of you have probably noticed an imperfection. There's a hole to your left of the cross where you can see a little gray area and it looks like there's a piece of wood. And you, you know what my initial idea is? Let's go up there and pull that little piece out and put a piece in there that will cover up that whole hole. Now, there's many of you that are OCD that at this moment you're going, oh, would you please do that? It's been bothering me for weeks. But here's what I want to bring about. God was not looking for perfection from man but complete submission to what He was asking. And that we would settle into what He had created, what He had made, and understand that that was perfect and we can't make it better. We get into a, 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 an idea and a mindset that we can improve on what God's already done. See, we can look at something and say, it should be absolutely perfect. I love that there's a little... Nick up there, that it's not exactly perfect. I got a cross in my office that's not exactly perfect, and I keep it. You want to know why? Because it reminds me that it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be submitted to God in obedience to Him. 
That's what, what God is calling us to do. Because if we're not careful, we'll turn what we're using for worship into an idol. Ooh, it got quiet on that one. Because what happens is we think we're doing something noble to God and we're worshiping Him and we will turn it into the very thing that we worship. That we will put so much of ourselves into it and, and, and have to have it the way we want it that we don't allow room for the Holy Spirit to work. God forbid that ever happens here. But unfortunately, it happens in our life every day. We must... Be careful to make sure that that which God has created does not become an idol. Because you know what an idol is? A cheap substitute. An idol is a cheap substitute. It's like Tony Evans. Tony Evans said something that was so good I had to write it down. He said, idolatry is like going on a date with a picture instead of a person. That was so good I had to write it down. It's like going on a date with a picture instead of a person. And I guarantee you, if I had only went on a date with a picture of Jane, she never would have had the last name of self. I can tell you that. Oh, actually, God would have hit me over the head and, and straightened me out because that's the woman God had for me. Amen. But if you think you're going to really truly have a relationship and engage in someone personally and only stare at a picture, you're coming short. That's what idolatry is. We can think it's, it's something awesome and beautiful. But in reality, there's no essence to it. So when it comes to worship in our life, we must be careful not to allow the things to become idols. For instance, we cannot let the cross become an idol in our life. The crosses we may wear around our neck or we may have as jewelry, if it becomes anything more than jewelry, be careful not to let it become an idol. Because you will not access God through that cross. You will access God through the cross of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago that Jesus died on and shed His blood. Not the one hanging around your neck. Not, not the beads of rose hanging in a car. The thing that will get us to access to Jesus Christ and to God Himself is the Holy Spirit when we receive Him through asking Him to forgive us and take over our life. That's how we access God. Do not let things become idols in your life. Do not let a church. Do not let people. Do not let a song become an idol in your life that you think you, will, you can accept God. You can really access Him through a particular thing and that's the only way you access Him. No. As a matter of fact, this right here, do not let this become an idol. This is God's Word, but this is a means of knowing God in His character and following every dot and every tittle in it, every, every uh, dot over an I, every period, every cross T. Follow this, but don't let it be an idol in your life. So this is why God is telling His people, do not cut these stones. I want you to worship immediately, but I don't want you to stand up and go, Boy, don't that altar look good. Look what I did. I have made it look so much better. When I went and got that stone, it had moss all over it. The edges weren't exactly rounded. In fact, it looked pretty rough. But I straightened that stone up. Now look at that altar. Look at what the people are doing around that altar. Didn't I do good? When we bring ourselves into worship, we begin to make it an idol and we get a substitute of real worship to God. We have to come before God unadulterated 
bare and open to Him. As a matter of fact, I want you to know today that the main thing, the main thing that you need to get out of this sermon, the thing that is paramount, the paramount thing about our relationship with God is worship. Worship is the main thing that we must focus our attention on to enhance and to grow that relationship with God. To have a relationship with God and remove worship would be to have a car and never put gas in it. It would be to have a bank account that has no money. It's absolutely useless. Worship is paramount to our relationship with God. I want us to look just for a moment in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, in other words, the first 11 chapters has, has built up to this moment, and Paul is saying, I urge you, please listen, take note, make sure you pay attention. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy Sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. Three things there. It means that we're still alive. It's holy. And it's a sacrifice. Worshiping God is not all about what you want. We live in a society and a world that has turned church into Walmart. That we can go or Amazon and just get what we want and we can put it in our cart and we get something and then we take it with us. Or it's delivered to us like Amazon does. But I'm here to tell you true worship involves sacrifice, not simply receiving something. For it says right here to present your bodies, these things, a living and holy sacrifice. Is it based on other people's opinion? Maybe it's based on what somebody thinks. Man, he looks like he's pretty holy. He's a, uh, he's a preacher. He's a pastor of a church. He's got it together. When it comes to the opinions of people, it will not matter a bit when I stand before God. It is how I live every day of my life. And my standard isn't any higher than yours. For this is not written to pastors and deacons and elders in a church. It's written to every single believer who says Jesus is Lord. He says, To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, your place of worship is wherever the place is that you're at. Whether it's at a store, it's driving your car, it's at work. Wherever you are, that's your place of worship. And how you present yourself before God in that place determines whether you're worshiping Him or something else. See, here is the danger that we take worship and make it more than it truly is. We make worship about a song. We make worship about 
a sermon or we make worship about a list of do's and don'ts. Worship is not about any of that. Worship is about the one true holy God being first in our life, unadulterated and made to be who He is in Him alone. God is more interested in embracing you embracing Him than what He has done rather than what you think He or someone else would prefer you do. In other words, it's more about what He has said and not what other people think. It's not other people's opinions. It's God's opinion. See, in Psalm chapter 139, I was reminded of that chapter when I was reading this as as I was seeing in chapter 20 of Exodus where God wanted a just a pure altar. Not altered by man, just the stone, the earth, put it together. And I began to think about Psalm 139. How it says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And First Peter that says that we are holy, we are royal, we are chosen. And I began to think about how we have taken what God has created us to be and we've altered it. We've done things to try to make us look better, not to Him, but to everybody else. We've done things to make sure that people think certain things while disregarding what God thinks. Let me tell you what I believe God wants someone to hear today. Stop defiling the altar, the place of worship, the temple. God has designed and called you to be something. Be it. He didn't make a mistake. You may say, well, Pastor, you don't have to look at this every day in the mirror. Well, you know what I do? Sometimes I get ready and I don't even turn the light on in the bathroom. Now, I know I don't have the long flowing locks and the, the hair i got to get all fixed and the makeup to put on. I understand that. And sometimes when I get in my car and I look in the rearview mirror, I go, Oh, my, why did Jane let me go out of the house looking like this? You want to know why? Because my wife accepts, accepts me just the way I am. She does straighten me up a lot of times. I'll just tell you right now, she'll make sure that I'm looking well. And I know many of us have spouses that will do that. But the thing is, God knew you in your mother's belly. Knew every flaw that you would have. God knew every nick that would be on every rock that he was asking them to build the altar out of. He knew they would, those stones wouldn't be perfect. That earth wouldn't be exactly right. He knew for a fact that altar would not be beautiful. To man's standards. But to him. It was beautiful. Who was the altar built for? Do you remember in Exodus chapter 20? He said. Build an altar of earth. For who? For him. And if you build an altar of stone for me. The altar. The place of worship was for him. Not for everybody else. Not for what other people thought. So we must be careful because pure worship isn't simply about 
how we view God, but it's also about how we view us as God has created us to be. God has created each of us, and is there anyone in here that is perfect? I know it's hard to be perfect, and I know it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. But I'm glad there's nobody here that's perfect today. We all have our little things, don't we? We have personalities. We have physical issues. We've got emotional things. We've got stuff that's just made us not quite what we think would be perfect if God had truly created us and we want to be perfect, right? The problem is sometimes we want to be perfect not for God but for everybody else to look at us and smile and say, look how wonderful they are. That's not worship. When we look at God, we must see Him for who He is and see us for who we are. That's where this comes down to what must I do. What must I do with this message of Exodus chapter 20, of God asking them to build an altar? Why in the world would God say, just pick it up and put it together? Because He didn't want them to adulterate His creation as He had made it so they could understand. He alone should be the focus of what worship should be about. So for us, we need to absolutely embrace and accept who God has made me to, to be. Who has God made you to be? Have you been altering it? To please other people? Let me tell you, acceptable worship to God is directed to God, not at others. It breaks my heart when someone wants to change their features because they, they're not pretty enough. Let me tell you something. In God's eyes, you're so valuable and so worth it he sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to be beaten, to shed blood so that you could have a relationship and simply cry out to Him in prayer and Him hear you. You are valuable today just the way you are. Yes, maybe you have altered and messed it up a little bit, but can I tell you something? God still sees you as valuable and precious. We must accept who God has made us to be because we have defiled what God has created us to be. I want to remind you today, the Word of God will clarify who you are. You know, when we talk about our identity, many of us will attach it to what we do. A lot of people, you know, well, who's Clyde? Well, Clyde's the pastor of Chicopee Baptist Church. He's a preacher. He's a husband. He's a father. Those are things that I do. Who I am? I am a child of the king. I have been bought with a price and I belong to him. That's who I am. Do I forget that sometimes? Absolutely I do. But it doesn't change the fact who I belong to. No matter, like the scripture that was read earlier in the service from Romans chapter 8, there at the end where it talks about nothing will separate us. No matter what my son ever does, and many of you know my son, Clyde Emery. We call him Buddy. Six foot two. Somebody earlier saw him and said, Good gracious, he's gotten big. I stare right at his neck. I mean, he's, he's, he's enormous. And no matter what he ever does, you know what he's always going to be? He's going to be my son. 
even if he moves to another country, changes his name first and last and declares, I don't have a dad, guess what will never change? He's going to be my son. Whether he is mean and ugly or nice and sweet and compassionate, which I believe he will be because his mama has influenced him. No matter what he does, it will not change the fact that he is my son. That's who he is. Ladies and gentlemen, today, when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. And nothing you will do can change that fact. Because it wasn't bought with a task, but it was bought with blood. And the DNA of Jesus' blood is what sealed us to have the DNA of a relationship with God the Father. So today we need to embrace who we are. And stop believing the lies of the evil one. Stop believing the lives of our culture and those around us. And let's start believing what God has declared us to be. And if we could walk in that, whoo, now that's worship. That's worship that we can walk in and we can make a difference. Listen, verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. When we walk in worship of God and He is first, and we declare everywhere I go, everything I say, everything I do will be to glorify Him, then you will know what the will of God is for your life. If you're struggling, if you're trying to figure something out, let me ask you just a simple question. How's your worship? I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about how's your everyday worship living for Him? Because when you are in that place, you're going to know what God's will is for your life. He's going to give you direction. Second thing of what we must do is intentionally seek holiness. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it's, it declares, Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to say it again this week. Time plus content equals what you're going to be, what you're going to be formed as. Either conformed to this world or transformed to be like Jesus Christ. It is your choice. It is your option. What is your time and your content going to equal? Because if your time and your content is of this world, you're going to equal conformity to everything about the world. But if your time and content, you put that in there and it's spiritually focused and you put Him first then you're going to be transformed into a different person. And I guarantee you the people around you will begin to be transformed as well. The third thing. second thing is allow God to use us. The third thing is intentionally seek holiness. We need to allow God to use us. Allow God to, to take us and mold and shape us. To be the people that God has intended for us to be. God had a plan and a purpose for your life when you were born. The important thing is, is that you grab hold of it and you walk in it. As Gina is coming, I want to give you your seven day challenge. As I looked at this scripture and I looked in Exodus chapter 20. And I was reading about the altar and I began to see how he didn't want them to defile what God had created. And so oftentimes we do that because we're looking at the approval of other people. We're looking at the opinions of others and trying to fit in so we can be accepted and be in the norm and have people in our life. And sometimes we 
care more about what other people think than what God has said about us. So here's your challenge. Find three things this week and write them down as to what God has said you are. Find it in the Bible. Don't just write down that God has said, God is declaring I'm redeemed. Great, where is it? God has said that I am a saint. Great, where is it? Find it, write it down, because this right here should carry more weight than anything anyone else says to you. And if you're struggling on who you are and who God has created you to be and how God is using you, then find out what He has said about who you are and begin to walk in that. And that, my friend, will bring you to a place where you can truly worship unadulterated, unfiltered, and absolutely before a holy and living God to say, this is who I am, God. This is who you created me to be. May I accept that and may you use me in that. None of us are perfect. But all of us have been loved by God and given a purpose in worshiping Him. This morning I'd like for everybody to stand and we're going to take a moment and just pray and give you an opportunity to make a decision today as to what you need to do with what you've heard today. Have you altered and changed what God has made you to be? Have you complained about what God has created you to be? Have you complained about your nose, your hair, maybe the pains that you have? Maybe if we'd give God thanks more about who He's created us to be, we'd find the confidence to worship Him. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. The Word of God declares that we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But it doesn't say that we shouldn't think highly of ourselves based on God's opinion and definition of who we are. It says we shouldn't think highly of ourselves than we ought to. We should. And it's based on God's Word. How have you been living your life? Have you been seeking and thankful for how God had created you be to be in every little aspect? Or are you seeking to change everything about yourself to fit the mold of other people? The Word of God declares we are to present ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. Our altar, our place of worship is our bodies, our lives. What have you been doing on your altar in your place of worship? Has it been to glorify Him? Do business with God right now. Ask Him to forgive you because He can. Ask Him to reveal to you who you truly are so that you can have confidence not to live for the approval of man any longer. Father, today we come to you letting the word pierce our heart and pierce the marrow of our soul. Lord, we pray that it will change us. The word declared, it is through the renewing of our mind. May our minds be renewed today to be set on who you have made us to be so that we can worship purely before you without fault and we can do it immediately 
there's someone in this room or someone at home right now, you've never accepted Christ, you've never come to that place where you've said, Jesus is Lord and He is first in my life. And right now you feel that there's something going on and you need to make a decision. You don't even know what it is that's happening. But if you feel like right now that you need to make this decision, do it right now. You can raise your hand in this room or online. You can push that little button that says you raise your hand to declare I'm accepting Jesus today to declare that He is going to be Lord of my life. No longer am I going to be running. But He's going to be first. And as you raise your hand, would you just simply repeat after me, Dear God, forgive me of my sins, of all those things I've done wrong, for all the times I've tried to please people. Forgive me and take over my life right now. In Jesus' name. Today is a day where we can all be different. Let us be transformed and not conformed. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.